I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Episode 31 of the Canto Bite Dispatch. I'm Emily Rind, and with me, as always, my co-host, Brittany Brown. Hi, Brittany. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Just enjoying my Sunday morning. Just uh, hanging out. I got a new pork. Ooh. Yes. Um... His name is Porg, or no wait, um, Steve Porg Shemi. <laughs> Haas from Blue Harvest helped me uh, name him. And I have a uh, kind of frightening, terrifying, kind of funny story that I've been kind of hinting at since Friday for you Thursday, because I told you like as soon as the incident happened, but I haven't told you exactly what happened yet. The incident. The incident, yeah. So, um... <laughs> So I've been waiting for this pork for a while. It shipped from China. I was supposed to get another one, but like the package only came with one pork. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'll have to open a dispute, whatever. I'll think about that later. So then like I'm opening it up in the mail. I open up a little package. Porgs there. Perfect. And I'm like emptying out the bag and like something drops. And I'm like, oh, did they screw me over and just get me like a pork pen? So I look down and it's this like black Thing. And oh I look at the porg and its eye came off. Oh. <laughs> I was just like laughing, but just like, oh no. Were you able to put it back on? Kind of. It's still like a little, like, you know, if I do too much movement, it might fall off, but like it's like on for the most part. But like, I still love my porg. It's just. A- He's almost eyeless, but yeah. That's... You should make an eye patch. <laughs> oh my god, I should. <laughs> oh my god. I need to do that. I need to find material and make an eye patch. Or if I have something with an eye patch on it, I should take that and put it on um, Steve Pork Jimmy. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, I'm getting another porg in the mail. So. That's exciting. I should be getting that in like two weeks because it's like the same kind of porg variation of porg or Steve Pork Shemmy, but like it's like bigger and like chubbier and it's like perfect. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. What, um, what's the porg count now? Um, I think. 20 or 19. I haven't been do, I haven't done a count in a while well since i got it because i've been like busy this like whole past week but i think i'm almost at 20 now now when did you get your first porg 
Um, here, wait, let me check. I think like when was Force Friday? Um, I have no idea. Here, I'm gonna go back because I know that I have a picture of it when because Rusty got me my first pork. Oh, okay, so September 14th, 2017. That was when, uh, Pineapple the Porg. So that's like five porgs a month, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. It's not enough, Emily. There's still more porgs out there. There's still this like one weird looking porg. It doesn't even look like a porg. Like it looks like a bowling pin bird porg thing. Like I'll have to send you a link to it. The only you're selling it, like I forget like where exactly, but it's just this like weird looking thing and I really want it. But I don't know. After I get my other porg and then the one that was supposed to be shipped to me, I'll focus on that one. But I'm still trying to focus on getting the other Funko porg, which I'm waiting on getting it because I saw that it was available um, on walmart.com for like 20 bucks. But I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend $20 on like a six inch porg yet. But we'll see. Yeah. I got. Um, I got a sweet, sweet uh, young Lando print um, that uh, Under Prom Productions, um, Michael did it, and he did just a really limited run of them. But I freaking love his stuff. Um, he did, this is one that's probably, you, you've seen, he did a, a like a Black Panther one recently. Of Sherry at um, at Disneyland, right? At Disney World, at Disneyland with the pin and like the Dole Whip and the little Simba. That's been getting like, a ton of attention. I love it. Everything he does is just like so beautiful, just beautifully done. I really like his style. Like just the I don't know. There's something really appealing about his art. But yeah, I have Lando and I framed it and it's up in my office. Oh, I love it awesome that is awesome let's see what oh i dyed my hair yes a holdo purplish pinkish beautiful yeah because it had been it had been pretty dark and it had been like half dark blue and half dark purple for a while so i changed it on friday night oh and now it's sort of like guy lackey i love it i love the color it's really pretty oh thank you it's always it's always a little bit difficult to go pastel because the like getting the timing and everything right is super annoying. But apparently it turned out, so I'm happy. It's good. I'm glad. <sighs> well, <laughs> let's see. There's been various like there's a little bit of Star Wars news. Um, not actually a ton. But there is a fairly important Star Wars development. And that is, of course, that Mendopod is now out from the amazing Steel Saunders, who did like an hour episode with him. We were talking about that last week and how excited we were. And now it's out. And if you haven't heard it yet, which <laughs> you definitely, definitely need to uh, go to Steel Wars 
com or look Steel Wars up on iTunes or whatever you use for your podcast because it is it's just a great interview. It is. It's probably one of my well, it is my favorite interview of all time or my favorite podcast of all time. Like I listened to it the second time last night and I was just sitting there laughing because it's just so like it was just beautifully done. You know, like the commentary from Mendo then steals questions like it was just wonderful. Yeah. Like you would think listening to it that they knew each other. Like yeah. it sounds like it sounds like the podcasts that Steele has done where he's interviewing his friends. Yeah, it felt just so like they felt it felt just so close and that they were friends and just that's the vibe that I got from it. Like from like the very beginning when he said like hi Steele or whatever, just oh but his voice. Oh man. <laughs> Mendo. You know, I'm I'm falling into like the Mendo spell. Cause it's like I've always like admired Lando. Or not Lando. Wow, Mendo. I don't know why I'm thinking Lando, but like just lately I'm like, damn, he's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like I, I get it. Well, not that I didn't get it, but like I get it. I think he's he's one of those guys who's gotten more attractive with age. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that he was ever, like, unattractive, but I think he's, he's like, I don't know, sort of like Clooney. Like, he's just aged really well. Yeah. I agree. And, and it's just, it's a really, it's a good interview because you sort of, you realize how much thought that Mendelssohn put into Krennic. Like, it's it's obviously a character that he, you know, he planned out and researched and, and knows well. And I think that's always a good sign. Yeah, like, he put so much effort into Orson Krennic. And even his passion for Star Wars is something that's, like, really admirable. Like... I I don't I didn't really know that he was like really that into Star Wars. Like I knew that he like really liked it. But I mean like going into like different things like talking about you know the uh room in um a new hope where he's talking about like the different people like how he was kind of like the brains of the death star in a way. Like I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, cuz he was talking about when he was approaching it, he went back and watched those original like those death star like for lack of a better room like the conference room scenes. Mhm. And sort of was was studying the imperial officer class and sort of figuring out where Krennic would fit into that. Yeah. You know, going back and watching A New Hope, one of my favorite things about it is like seeing the details that kind of like Rogue One kind of put into it like you see that empty chair in there and mm-hmm. you think oh my god that could have been Mendo's chair you know just thinking of that kind of stuff just gets me like really excited just like wow like th- it's all it, it's the positive of it's all connected you know yeah and he was also you know he was talking about sort of the relationship with with um Krennic and Galen and how they both started out as true believers and what the empire was doing. And then of course, you know, Krennic maintains that belief and, and Galen is disillusioned and runs away to grow mung beans. But, (laughs) (laughs) 
I just, I don't know. There's, I, I really want to, I haven't watched Rogue One in a while. And it made me really want to go back and, and dive into that. Because, I don't know, it's just cool hearing that the way Mendo thinks about Krennic is the same way I've always thought about Krennic. <laughs> Was, I don't know, like, it's like it sounds silly, but that's sort of gratifying to realize you have, like, the same vision of this character. Because at one point, you know, they were talking about the all the like the scenes with Vader. Yeah. And and he talked about how Orson is very much the Empire is the ships and the officers and the Death Star. And then there's, you know, this sort of the force is there, but he doesn't he doesn't have anything to do with it. And you know, like you have to believe in it because you see evidence of it. Like, if you see somebody getting force choked or you get force choked yourself, you can't deny that it's real. But he, he described it as, as as Orson would think it was a bit old-fashioned, a bit twee. And so, like, his his faith is in his creation. And he sort of sees himself as the, the future of the Empire. And that played in because because Steele asked him about the little smirk <laughs> after the choking scene, which I'm really glad he did because that's one of the questions I asked him to ask, and so I'm glad we were on the same page with that. But and he was talking about how how this was a win for him, like yeah, he just got force choked, but he also is still in charge, and he just got this like rise out of Vader, and he is smug about it. <laughs> Wasn't his response something like, oh, like, I got him or yes. something? <laughs> I got him. Oh, like... oh, and there's man. also there's also like a lot of cape talk, which is good because as listeners to this podcast will know, we are we are a very pro cape podcast. Very. I, he described it as a battle cape. <laughs> very easily kept. Yes. Very easily cleaned. <laughs> and now I'm just thinking of like the person whose job that is. Like if we get if we ever get another book in the style of from a certain point of view, I totally want it to be from that character's view. Cape keeper. I wonder if the cape keeper knew that they the capes were for like Mendo. Like I wonder if he was just or he or she was like, why am I making all these white capes? Like, maybe he had, like, a plethora of capes, not just one. Because, I mean, like, that's a lot of washing for a cape because he probably wears the cape every single day. But then again, he probably has, like, capes for, like, special occasions. So it has to be, like, extra, extra, like, crispy white. Or, well, we know there's, like, know. we know there's, like, the the sort of all-weather cape that we see yeah. when he first um, is on the farm. And that's like a rain cape. And then there are the sort of like the walking around the Death Star cape. But they probably have like a really good like stain repellent. They have that stuff on like, you know, because that stuff that makes like water like just sort of beat off of it. Maybe they have that. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I just, I really loved this podcast episode, this interview, just everything, just Mendo, 
Like, I'm so happy. Like, I could imagine myself listening to this, like, multiple amounts of times. And I don't ever do that with podcasts. Like, it's just, it's timeless. Yeah. I don't, I certainly don't ever do it with, with interview podcasts. Like, I've done it with comedy podcasts and stuff before. But I, mm-hmm. I almost never go back to interviews. But I think there's sort of a lot to this one. And it's just, again, it's just a lot of fun. It is. Like, there's just a, there's a really good energy to it. And I, and I liked also, there's a part where he's talking about n- not wanting to see too much behind the curtain with Star Wars. Yeah. But the fact that even after he's been in Star Wars, he, Star Wars can still capture his imagination like he can still get lost in the new star wars movies even even after seeing some of the behind the scenes being involved in like the behind the scenes making of it and i thought that was great i think that sort of shows the you know the magic of star wars yeah i agree like you know him talking about how lucasfilm or skywalker ranch is like going to the willy wonka chocolate factory you know like he just loves loves it yeah and it makes me happy to know that he just like greatly appreciates something that all of us, you know, fans of Star Wars love too. And just imagine going to Skywalker Ranch. Like that's exactly like what I would imagine it being like the chocolate factory, you know, like everything I've ever wanted and more. Yeah. I don't know. And it was just, it was, you know, it was, it was nice to see how much he appreciated, you know, like being at Celebration um, and sort of seeing the the crowd reactions when he came out and and feeling that feeling that energy and you know and he and he and and they sort of laughed about like steals mendo shirts um and all the toys and stuff and so i think i think the i don't know i look i don't need my actors to be huge stars fans i don't need them to be like super good guys but it is a really nice bonus when they are like, yeah, definitely. Like, look, Alec Guinness was a phenomenal actor with a amazing career who did a really good job in Star Wars and hated it. And <laughs> I, I mean, no, like it's the fact that he was so vocal about that. I, I do find disappointing. You know, like when you're telling a twelve-year-old kid that he should never watch Star Wars again, like. Like, maybe back off a little bit. He did that? Oh, yeah. It might have actually... He actually talks about it, I think, in, like... uh, Maybe he did an autobiography, or maybe it's just in, like, an interview he did sometime. I actually don't even think it's 12. I think it's younger than that. But he's telling the story of this little kid who came up to him with his his mother and's like, I saw Star Wars a hundred times, or something like that. And he... Like he's like, I want you to promise me something, and the kid's like, Oh my gosh, anything! You're Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi, and he's like, Never watch Star Wars again. And I'm just like, That's so fucked up. Oh, I'll have to look up those interviews or just him talking about his hatred for Star Wars because I mean, like, it's just interesting. Like, that's not gonna like hurt my feelings that a character that I really love like hates the franchise, like. I just think it's interesting because not a lot of people talk about hating Star Wars or people in Star Wars hating Star Wars. Yeah. But I, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit different when you're saying it to a little kid. 
<laughs> oh, that's, yeah. That's a little bit fucked up. Oh, but again, like, I, I don't know. It just, it, it was just a lot of fun. It was really good. It made me happy. Yeah. Made me happy to steal if you're listening. Hi. <laughs> we love your show. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, and speaking of Mr. Ben Mendelson, we talked a little bit last week about how we wanted to start going through his filmography. Um, and so the first movie we're going to watch is going to be Animal Kingdom. That's sort of what I was thinking last week, but for sure we're going to do that. And we are going to talk about it, not this next episode, but the one after. Um, so that'll give people and us like time to watch it. <laughs> Yes. And then we'll just sort of, we'll see how it goes and what kind of discussion we have from that. But I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited for this new segment, you know, going into, you know, because obviously, like, I've gone into stuff other than Star Wars, like the whole Muppets and Puppets movies. So I'm excited to see a movie with people that actually aren't puppets. (laughs) Yes. So that'll be episode 33, which will go up on the 23rd of March, but we will be recording on March 18th. So if you do watch it and you want to talk about it, you know, send us emails before March 18th. But if you watch it before the 23rd, then you don't have to worry about spoilers or anything. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like it's a new movie, but I know not everybody's seen it. So that'll give people some time. Just be prepared because it is, it's, it's a little bit brutal. Ooh. Okay. Does Mendo kill anyone? I- I'm not going to tell you anything about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'm excited, though. I- I've heard nothing but good things about this movie, so. Yeah, and then we'll just, yeah, we'll just go from there. And we'll just sort of, you know, pick a new one each month. I think it'll be fun. Hell yeah. He's, he's been in, yeah, he's been in a excited. lot of good stuff. And in some, um, not great stuff that's at least interesting uh the he's in a movie that um ryan gosling directed and it is it's it's an interesting watch is it the one that he did with michelle williams it is one with um Sorry, let me grab my Blu-ray. It's the one, it's got um, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men and um, Eva Mendes and uh, Matt Smith from Doctor Who. Shit. It's a celeb-packed movie. There's There's a lot of really good people in it. For a for a not very good movie, <laughs> and Ryan Gosling directed it. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that he directed movies. This was his first one. Oh God, he directs other movies too. Well, I don't know if he's ever done it. I don't know if he's done one since, but this Shit. was in 2013. 
But there is a there is a Mendo dance scene in it. Oh, is that the one with all the purple? Yes. Okay. Ooh, uh, Mendo dancing number. I like that. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the context of it is a little less um uh nice than that that than that gift might suggest, but Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a movie. Um, let's see. <laughs> Star Wars news. This is okay. Here's the thing. This was up on um, JediNews.co.uk today, but it's sort of like up in the air in terms of whether this is actually news or not, because this is coming off of a deadline article that was talking about um, Simon Kenberg, and it was actually talking about it because he's directing the uh the upcoming logan's run remake but in the last paragraph of the article when they're just doing that normal like oh so and so who does such and such when they're talking about the people in it they they mention simon kinberg who is currently working on a script for new star wars movie now oh here's the thing which is he was apparently like Back when Boba Fett was still going to happen, he was either officially attached to that or rumored to be attached to that. I didn't look up, but he was like one of the people involved with that, maybe even writing the script. So whether that's like he's officially working on something that's like currently greenlit or Deadline is just talking about a stalled project, who knows? Um, he is one of the people who worked on the creation of Rebels. He wrote some episodes of that, too. I don't know how extensively he wrote for the show. Um, his his uh, other movie that he's written, um, there's a lot of shit. Uh, like Triple X, State of the Union, um, X-Men, The Last Stand. Uh, I think he did Days of Future Past, and he also did Age of Apocalypse, he did one of the Fantastic Four scripts. I don't even know which one, because as soon as I saw that, I'm just like, ugh, gross. <laughs> and he's also writing and directing the um, the new X-Men Dark Phoenix movie. So we'll see whether this is actually, like, an announcement of a new real project or just a... I mean, everybody's writing Star Wars scripts, so who knows? I mean, I don't know if they'd choose someone that's done a lot of shitty films, you know? Well, yeah, but he's... Well, I mean, he was involved with both that, and he like cre- helped create Rebels. So, which again is a show that's now canceled. Yeah, but again, like whether this is a new thing or not, it's it's sort of hard to tell from the article. But it's something you know, keep in mind. Mm. I hope not. Like, I'm I'm sorry, I'm so pessimistic about this, but it's just it's like, um, we don't need. You know, like you say in the notes, like another white male <laughs> to do something that someone else could do, you know? Yeah, we'll see. Well, yeah, here's the thing. Also, I don't know. When I look at those writing credits, I'm like, ugh, okay. I'm perfectly happy for that to not pan out into anything. Yeah. Hmm. 
But, you know, I thought it was at least worth mentioning, especially in a week when there's not a lot else going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But there is one really cool thing, and that is Entertainment Weekly broke down five of the last Jedi deleted scenes that are going to be on the (laughs) release. Oh, yeah. I haven't even read any of these yet, so I'm excited to go through these while we're talking right now. Because I just scrolled down to Horn of them, but I'll, that made me laugh, but I'll tell you when we get to that okay. one. Um, the first one that they get into is BB-8 reveals Ray's goodbye. Um, apparently, one of the s- scenes that they shot was when Finn is considering whether he should leave or not. The um, BB-8 comes up to him and and shows Ray coming up and saying goodbye to him when he was still unconscious in his little medical pod. Um, and it's apparently it's supposed to be like a pretty emotional scene that you know really helps to to reinforce their friendship and and how important they are to each other to sort of to make it makes sense that he's gonna take off yeah that sounds really similar to um the scene where the hologram princess leia pops up when luke's talking to r2 so maybe they kind of just like chose to do one over the other yeah um and like when when they were talking about these articles you're talking about like none of these none of these were cut because they were bad scenes they were cut because of you know things like pacing or there was just another way to do it and they sort of i guess one of the things they realized is due to the scenes when he's you know talking to rose you don't necessarily need this scene yeah um but also and, and also i just then like uh finn has a line about how creepy it is that BB-8 was just recording this. <laughs> Very Finn-like to say that. That should be a little bit humorous. So I feel like all of these scenes will have like some sort of like humor or something like that. Um, And the next one, now I was excited to see this because it's actually involves something that we saw from the from the trailer which is the scene on Octo when we see her running into battle with the lightsaber um apparently there was originally a scene when we see the caretaker village gets attacked by like a warring tribe and ray immediately wants to go down there and help and and luke tells her that she shouldn't um and said i'm quoting from the article here but wait luke says even if she did fight them and drive them away they would just return in weeks to come even angrier and fortified with more fighters would ray still be here when that happened the jedi would let this play out he tells her they would choose not to be involved out of fear of making it worse uh does she really want to be a jedi and then ray's like fuck this and and goes off to help. Is this the scene that they were talking about where like it's actually a party and Luke's just fucking with her? I'm not sure. 
Um, I think that's entirely possible, but I also don't, I don't know how official that ever was when I heard that. So <laughs> I don't know either. That just reminds me because I forget who like um, hinted at that or something. But I just remember hearing about that. I'm like, there's no way that they, that would be put in a Star Wars movie, you know? Like a party. Or no, what was it? It was on the it was on the Star Wars show, I think. When they like showed that scene and then you see like the caretakers like partying it up or something. Yeah, so it could be that that is leading into the scene or it could be like a completely different, I don't know. Who knows? Oh, then we are getting a uh, third lesson. Oh, oh no, it actually, I, this was bolded like it was a new thing, but it's actually, it's, oh. it's Ryan Johnson is talking about that scene because... The, the question was, like, is this the third lesson? Um, and it says, John- Johnson acknowledges it's not directly addressed, but says there are things about the movie that fans can choose to interpret as his final instructions to Ray. But he hesitates to say more because this may or may not be something explored further in episode nine. Hmm. Yeah. So I know, like, originally when they're talking about deleted scenes it seemed like oh we're getting a third lesson and now i don't i don't think that's necessarily the case maybe like we'll get that in episode nine you know the third lesson or maybe like the third lesson just hasn't even happened yet like maybe they're well i don't know because it's like it was always kind of hinted that we would get the third lesson and like a deleted scene but like maybe like ryan's like no let's do the third lesson and the next well now jj but who knows I mean, I, when people were talking about the fact that we didn't get the third lesson and that we'd get it in a deleted scenes, like when I was actually watching the movie, my thought always just was that she left before she got the third lesson. Yeah, same. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know why everybody was so certain that got cut. And I mean, maybe it did. But for me, like, it never struck me as weird that it wasn't in there because I always just thought, well, she took off. Yeah, that's what I thought, too, that there was going to be a third lesson. But Ray was like, fuck this. I'm going to go get Ben. And then she left. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, That's one of those, like, fandom things that I was always sort of confused by. Yeah. And I wonder if if there isn't like a third lesson in these deleted scenes, I do I do wonder if maybe we'll get that in the form of like a force ghost Luke or something. Hmm. I have an interesting thought. What's that? Has there ever been, like, a deleted scene in Star Wars that you've just, like, always wanted to see? Like, you thought that it existed because it in books or something? Or that's something you just, like, want to see? Um, I mean, just the, just the Rogue One stuff that we never got. Hmm. Um, pretty much all of it. I, I would have, that, the, the power we're dealing with is immeasurable, the the idea of a scene when Krennic is like yelling at Darth Vader and like really aggressive, I found I found that to be such a, a 
fascinating thing. And that's one of the things that like drew me to that character at first. And so when it wasn't in the movie, I'm like, oh, this is disappointing. Yeah, because I remember being, oh, sorry. I remember being on that when we're with Tarkin on the ship. And I was like, okay, Vader's going to come. Vader's going to come. And I'm like, where the fuck is Vader? And then we see Mustafar and we're like, oh, that's Vader. But anyway, sorry before I interrupted you. What oh, you no, say? no. I was just going to ask you what what your like a dream deleted scene is. So I've been like dreaming about this deleted scene for like years. Like when they re-released the Blu-ray for the Star Wars deleted scenes, like I was hoping and praying that I get this one specific scene. And I think I've mentioned it on here before, but um, it's mentioned in the Revenge of the Sith novel, but it's when Obi-Wan goes to Padme and he kind of expresses concern over Anakin and basically says, yo, I know about you guys. Like, you know, and she's just kind of taken aback. And because, you know, when Anakin's sitting up there and he has a little flashback or he has that little thing where he's looking into the future and then he's like, Obi-Wan's been here, hasn't he? Yeah. Like, there's a scene. Like, I know that it's been recorded because I've seen, like, the deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith. So I know it's out there somewhere. They're just not releasing it. And I don't know why. Because that would be, like, such a beautiful deleted scene. Like, maybe it just, like, didn't go well. But how it was described in the book is probably one of my favorite parts of the Revenge of the Sith novel is, like, the interactions between Anakin or Padme and Obi-Wan. <sighs> one day I'll get it. I don't know <laughs> when or ever. But, like, I just want it so bad. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, like, when you know all the stuff that's out there that we're never going to get to see. It's pretty disheartening. I know. And I want to know too, like what the hell happened in the first draft of Rogue One? Like that just interests me too. Like what happened to these characters, like the possibility that Jen and Cassian survived and. Well, yeah. And then the fact that like in, in, in one of the drafts, like they originally had Vader killing Krennic Oh, shit, really? Yeah, which actually, I mean, I think the way it does in the movie is much better because, of course, like, that's a villain who should be destroyed by his own creation. Like, that's a much more satisfying storytelling style. But, yeah, I'm not sure if that was ever filmed or whether it was just in one of the scripts. Yeah, I... I wonder if there was, like, a draft of, like, Cassian and Jin, like, actually, like, embracing their, like, their realized love after. Because it's, like, they had that moment in the elevator where it's, like, they looked, they were looking at each other like they wanted to fuck. And I don't know why, like, Ryan, or not Ryan, I don't know why Gareth Edwards decided to keep that in the film. But it just felt very intimate. Yeah. I don't know, though. I mean, like, the whole, like, your father would be proud. It's like, well, like, 30 minutes ago, you're yelling at her because she was being too nosy. And now, like, you're with her in this fight for going to Scarif. I don't know. Well, it's a pretty it's a pretty emotional time. I guess. Again, it's just me probably being too critical. I still have the critical part in me after reviewing Rebels. Last I mean, week. I'm sure. I feel like there has to be a draft, whether filmed or not, where they actually do kiss at the end. Yeah, and I'm so glad they didn't. But I, I definitely feel like at some point I was considered. <laughs> I 
I remember when I first saw it, like the romantic part deep down in me was like kiss, kiss. But now, like looking back, I'm like, oh, thank God they didn't, because that oh, would be God. weird. Oh God, I'd be when I was sitting in the theater watching that, I'm like, oh. Please, <laughs> please, please, please. I was like putting my hands together, like do it, do it, do it. But like now, looking back, I'm like, I I understand it. Like I'm glad that didn't happen. Now. The next, the next scene that they talk about is probably the one that I'm looking forward to the most, and it's going to fucking devastate me. And that's that we actually do get to see more of Luke's reaction to finding out that Han died. And not only that, like, but we see, like, we see him, like, and they say, like, his eyes start to to well up with tears, and then it cuts to. Leia in like a similar in a similar pose like also sort of you know like lost in thought and I I mean the the sound of that scene it just it seems like it's going to be amazing and it's going to break my heart I really want to watch all these deleted scenes like put into the film like I don't know if like it does that but like I would love that, just seeing it all together. Yeah, my guess is that it doesn't, but somebody will do that. I look forward to that one person doing that. Yeah, yeah. I was laughing earlier because I see you titled it Luke in Mourning, and then in parentheses, a.k.a. Emily Cries Forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, just the thought of it makes me emotional, so. Yeah, I mean, it is. But that should give like some like it should be a really good good opportunity for Mark. Definitely, he did a really good job acting in this film. I think it's like one of the highlights to me is just like Mark, like he just so go- did so good, like the emotional aspect too. Like I felt for him, like he looked like he was gonna cry like a lot, and I almost did too. But yeah, really he's really good, good in it. <sighs> Um, so let's, the next one is the supremacy infiltration. And apparently that scene when they first uh, break onto the supremacy uh, is a bit longer. And there's what sounds like a pretty funny sequence when they are, like, I guess in an elevator or something and Finn gets recognized by a stormtrooper. <laughs> Who like just starts talking to him and stuff, and 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 Johnson says this one was cut for for pacing reasons. Like he thinks it's a funny scene, but it really it slowed down your action. But when he talk about when they talk about this, they say that when this stormtrooper recognizes him, it's not as oh this is the traitor, um, because the the implication they give is that. Of course, as the First Order, you wouldn't want to put any sort of publicity into the fact that that would happened because you don't want to to in- encourage that sort of thing. So that was all covered up. So instead, like, I mean, this is, you know, there's this tension when Finn thinks this is going to happen. And then it turns out that this stormtrooper is like, oh, man, I can't you believe you got promoted, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember hearing about this scene like months and probably at least a year ago. So I'm happy that we're finally going to get to see it. 
because it seemed funny because isn't some famous actor played is it Tom Hardy that played this? Oh, I don't know. Stormtrooper? I don't know. I don't know. I just remember hearing like so much about these like scenes that like obviously like they weren't in the film and now like looking back or looking forward to these deleted scenes it's like oh, okay like I remember hearing about this a long time ago. Okay, like the um this one and the the caretakers and Ray running with the lightsaber. It's just interesting and it's exciting now that we're going to get to see this soon because god we're getting this soon and then we're getting the novelization soon. Yeah, we're getting the novelization really soon. I'm excited for that. Me too. Pre-ordered it. But it, it is sort of funny because I think about, you know, like it, it, it sort of makes you think about how we analyze all the, like every scene in the trailer. Because I remember, mm-hmm. I mean, that scene with Ray running with the lightsaber, all of the speculation of that. And, you know, this idea, like, I think that, I mean, the main one that I always heard over and over again was the idea that this was going to be like her big fight with the Knights of Ren. Yeah. Like the idea was that, that Kylo and, and the Knights of Ren were going to show up on Octu and there was going to be this big battle. And so it, it's funny to know that just like how wrong all this stuff is all the time. I know. Like, you know, when going back and hearing that, um, Adam Driver was on the set on Skelling McHale and just like never listen to anything you hear, hear basically because like he was just there to help Daisy Ridley with the scene so like everyone thinking that he's there is like oh my god Knights of Ren they're gonna go to Octu and fight Ray, and you know that's initially what I thought too because like they were those scenes that oh, the yeah. behind the scenes reel came out and Ray was finding those two people. And I'm like, oh my God, those are the Knights of Ren, but turned out to be just the Praetorian guards. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's fun. Like, I still I still think all of that discussion and stuff is, of course, fun. If I didn't, I wouldn't be doing a Star Wars podcast. But it does, it does sort of show in the end how, how silly it is when you're working with, you know, barely any information. Yeah. Oh, I have like a question. Okay. So I heard somewhere that we're going to get like an alternative like ending or beginning in these deleted scenes. Like apparently like an ad from like Target was like talking about this because I was listening to Rogue One and Johnny was talking about that. Yeah. Here's the thing. I haven't heard anybody else talking about that. <laughs> I was sitting there listening to it at work and I'm like, what? And even I remember hearing highs like, Johnny, like I'm not doubting you, but I haven't heard of this. And I didn't see the ad from Target that was talking about this. Like I tried to look up Target ads and like it didn't show me any because there wasn't any like available. But like, yeah, I'm surprised that. You know, I looked it up and like some Star Wars websites were like, oh, alternative this and that. And I'm like, okay, but I'm surprised that like not a lot more people are talking about this or if it doesn't exist, which I don't want to doubt Johnny or anyone, but it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. Like I looked into a little bit and I didn't see anything right away. So I'm just <laughs> like, well, we'll all know in a couple of weeks anyway. So exactly. Speculation will die down as soon as we get that in our hands. Are you pre-ordering it? Um, I haven't decided where I'm ordering it from yet. 
I'm sort of looking through and seeing if I want to, to like, if there's any of the exclusives that I really want, but I don't think I really care about any of them. You don't care about Meet the Porgs? Well, <laughs> Not here's kidding. the thing. It depends <laughs> what the price difference is between that and buying it off Amazon. Because that's going to end up on, like, you know, like, it'll be on the internet within two hours. Yeah, you're right. But I think they're all, like, 29 or through $26. I mean, like, I'm willing to spend, like, four or five extra dollars just to get this, like, extra little thing about porgs. And you get, like, a booklet, too. Like, cool. More porgs for me. Oh, see, but here's the thing. Like, yeah, I'm never going to look at the booklet. <laughs> or I'm going to look at the booklet once and go, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's sort of the number of, like, special edition things that I have that I just never do anything with is pretty high so i'm trying i'm trying to be better about that i still haven't even gotten to like the bonus features of the force awakens yet that's how far i have behind i am like for some reason i did the the rogue one one and everything but yeah for some reason i just haven't sat down yet and gone into that um i like the idea of bonus features more than I generally like actual bonus features. I mean, I like deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. And if it's a movie I'm super interested in, I like director's commentary. Yeah. But I I'm somebody who and, and this is going back to the to the Mendo talk earlier, I don't love seeing a bunch of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. I really enjoyed like the the documentary about um like episodes four, five, and six that was in like the original like five or it was like in like the early two thousands they sold like episodes four, five, and six. And like they had that I forget what that documentary is called. But it's like the one where they talk about, you know, just like creating the movie and everything and George and the behind the scenes on George, everyone else. Like they show videos from like the casting, like those ones I find interesting. Like, you know, the cast talking, the crew kind of, the directors. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I do like there's some stuff that I really like in it, but most of it I just I don't know. It sort of it sort of kills some of the the specialness for me to see too much of it. That's fair. Oh, there's um there's one more deleted scene that we got a breakdown on, and it is the original showdown between Phasma and Finn, and apparently, ri- originally, like, she was going to be surrounded by their stormtroopers, and Finn was going to talk about when she turned over the shield codes. And it was going to be this sort of, you know, like, him exposing her, and then she kills all the stormtroopers that hurt it. And then they fight, they fight, they fight. And it's apparently much more definitive in that version that Phasma's dead. 
I'm just confused that people think that she's still alive. Like, I, I'm i kind of dumbfounded. Like, I get that, you know, her, I mean, her armor is made from Star Destroyer. I heard it was Padme's battleship or something. I heard that somewhere. But, like, she fell into a black hole of, like, smoke and everything and fire, and she went down. It's like, how could it be, like, less obvious that she died? Well, Boba Fett is in a fucking Sarlacc pit. People think he's still alive. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Okay. Ryan says that they changed this entirely because of pacing. But the fact that they changed it from very definitively she is dead to less definitively she's dead. I do. I do worry about that. Like the fact that they changed it. I think leads more credence to the theory that she's not actually dead. What what do they get if she comes back? Ugh, like, I know. I don't. Is she just going to die again? Yeah, exactly. That's why I don't want her to come back. Like, it's just going to disappoint me and other people. And it's like, we don't need that disappointment. You know, like, we already got that from, like, Boba Fett and different other characters. But, you know, she's been advertised so much that we were just all so familiar with Phasma and then just how she went was just kind of an embarrassment to her character and Gwendolyn Christie. I, mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like they overhyped that character and it, and it caused expectations that weren't realized. I think if there wasn't that expectation on her to like, if they hadn't advertised her so heavily um, back before force awakens, I don't think that character would have been a problem. Like, it just would have been, oh, this is some, you know, minor character. Look at her cool armor. But because they hyped her as, oh, my God, it's this cool, badass woman, like, major villain. And then she's barely in it. And so when they brought her back in this, and then it's just her getting beaten by Finn again, it's sort of like, okay, you can't do that three movies in a row. Yeah. Like, so yeah, unless you're gonna do something entirely different with her, don't bring her back. You know, think about that now. Like, they probably are going to, like, you know, I don't know though. Like, but then again, it's like, I think, why would they want to bring her back? Like, I just don't get why people want phasma to come back like i almost like want to like section or just like single out people be like do you think phasma lives and just ask them why and just i want to know people's mindset about this it's like what can she do in the next film to redeem herself because you know obviously she's gonna die like it's not like she's gonna turn switch sides and be like hey what's up or or like the ninth movie is just gonna totally like mind fuck us or something but like what what is she gonna do Nah, I'm I'm the same. I just I wish they had handled her character differently from the beginning, and I I'm perfectly happy to never see her again. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we agree on that. No, like I wanted her to be super cool, and then she just wasn't. Yeah, it sucks, but what can you do? But, okay, so of those, like, and here's the thing is, those are only, like, five of the scenes. And there are, like, 14 in total? Fuck. So, 
we're getting a lot of stuff. You know, like I'm sure, like I'm sure that that Luke morning scene is really short. I'm sure some of the other ones that we don't we don't know all the details about aren't you know like huge long scenes, but this is a lot of content. It is of these five. Which is the one that you're most looking forward to? Um, I almost think. Even though, you know, talking about Phasma, I almost am really interested in the Phasma scene. Just because the description of it, like, her killing the stormtroopers after them finding out that she was the traitor. I'm really interested in that. And the Luke one, obviously. Luke and Mourning. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's, like, one that I'm just like, oh my god, I need to see this. But I think that one's, like, the top of my list, the Phasma showdown. What about you? Yeah, for me, it's probably it's probably the Luke and Morning scene. Um, I think, sort of, because I'm such a Han Solo fan, as much as it's going to wreck me emotionally, I think it's a good recognition of the passing of that character. Yeah. well dang it's so close it's gonna be like what a couple weeks until we'll get this yeah oh man i can't wait for our episode and review of all the deleted scenes and bonus features and yeah that'll be be a lot of fun and then the one if if we both well obviously we're both gonna read the book so we'll maybe even do like one just us reviewing the the last jedi novelization yeah definitely yeah Well, um, we also, we, we both watched Rebels this week and we talked a lot about it on Steel's call-in show on Monday. Yeah. Um, go back and listen to that. I was co-hosting and Brittany called in. Um, I think it was a pretty fun show. We sort of were all talking about the time travel thing. Um, I mean, I just, I'll, I'll sort of recap what I said on steel show which is i'm not i'm not crazy about time travel being used in science fiction that isn't about time travel but as long as it sort of stays in rebels or in things that i don't care about i'm 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 happy to ignore it but i do worry about it setting a precedent because I, I never want to see them use time travel in the movies. Yeah, I agree. I feel like this is going to be just like a one and done type of thing. Or I hope so. But knowing Dave, it makes me a little bit nervous. And, you know, like I said in the call-in show, like, though this sh- episode or these two episodes really had a lot of issues, I still found them the best. Or um, the one where Ezra was going through the portal and shit. That one was the best episode of the whole series, which I mean, it's cool because like that's the first time I've said that in a really long time. But then again, it's like not cool because it's like, well, it's been four seasons of but and you know, then again, that's just my opinion. Like I I genuinely love that so many people love this show. Yeah. And no, I'm just gonna though. say 
it's okay to have opinion about the show and it's okay to have a negative opinion on the show. And everybody knows that we don't think that it's bad or makes you a terrible or stupid person to like this show. We don't like it. That's fine. We're allowed to yeah. not like things. As long as we're not like being dicks about it or going out, seeking out people who do like it and being like, you're wrong. Fuck you. Like, I don't think we have to, I don't think we have to qualify this every time. You're right. I just, I feel bad, even though I shouldn't. Like, that's still an issue that I have. Like, I just, I want, you know, sometimes I just, like, want everyone to be happy and everything. And, you know, sometimes, like, that's not how it is. Like, sometimes, like, people like things and people don't. Like, I, you know, and again, like, I just feel like I broke a record being like, you know, like, people like this show and I don't. But it's like, you know, I share my opinions and I listen back and I'm like, you know what? I feel like I did a good job, like, sharing my opinions. And then... I don't know. It's it's tricky. <laughs> but it's all good. But yeah, I mean, I still have issues with the show. Like this was just another example of if Palpatine knows that Ezra is alive, why isn't he doing anything about it? That was my one main complaint. And I feel like that trumps everything else over this whole episode is why is Palpatine not doing anything? That's my main thing. Like, I don't care about any other shit that went on the episode. That's my main thing. Yeah. And that's a pretty big problem. But I mean, what? There's like, there's there's two episodes left? Yeah, well, it's like a three in one, I think. Like, it's all airing tomorrow okay. so by the time by the time this podcast comes out it'll already be over <laughs> yeah which i've been hearing nothing but positive things about it i don't know if it's just people being like oh this is so good or well, yeah, you know but i mean that's sort of how it always is when they th they're inviting to these screenings they're inviting people who love this show which i think is you know it's great like it's cool yeah. that we know oh, some yeah. people who got to you know go to this and i'm sure they had a really good time but they're not people who are going to be like, oh, fuck, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, but I almost think the experience of being there, too, probably, like, makes it probably, like, a hundred times more better than me just watching it on my iPad or my TV at home. Oh, like, when you're in a room with, like, so many people, like, I, I get how exciting that is. And that's amazing that people are going to do that and who love that show. Like, I love that. That makes me really happy. Oh, but... Anyways, oh, I'm excited for this. Emily, you watched The Clone Wars. You know, I'm so... I... Oh, no! <laughs> you know, I'm just... I'm only partway three, through season three, and I'm just like, fuck. How much of this show is there? <laughs> like, I just don't care. <laughs> That's okay. I, like, I, I'm not... Yeah. I mean, part of it is I think I was just like not in a great mood. Like I'm not in a great headspace right now, and so I, the things that I'm finding unenjoyable, I'm finding extra unenjoyable. Mm. Um, but I don't know. Okay, the first episode that I watched was uh, the ninth episode of season three, and that's the um, Hunt for Zero. And this is right after, of course, the hostage crisis episode where zero gets broken out um and obi-wan 
is sent to find Zero along with Quinlan Voss, who I'm finally meeting after hearing about him for ages. Um, he's fine, I guess. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I had so much, I had such high expectations for that character. And maybe like he does more cool stuff later, but in this episode, I'm just like, okay, whatever. Oh, really? Well, that's not a bad thing. I mean, like just, you were just like unimpressed or just like bored or. Yeah. I'm just sort of like, okay, he's there. Hmm. <laughs> Did you enjoy like Obi-Wan's like impression of Voss? I mean, I always like it when Obi-Wan's a little bit bitchy. <laughs> like, I think that's, I think that's sort of fun. Bitchy Obi-Wan's my favorite Obi-Wan. But that's sort of about, like, as far as it goes for me, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know, like, Voss was sort of just fine. I guess he had just been built up too much. Um, Obi-Wan's being, they're sort of, like, sniping back and forth with each other. Um, and then it's just, I don't know, it's, you know, it's the Clone Wars. It's fine. Hmm. There's, um... This whole like meeting of the of the five families of the Hots, and one of them is just like a straight up Godfather ripoff. Which I don't know, it's going for funny, but I just sort of thought it was tiring. And then you know, it's like Zero has this hollow diary, which sort of like you know has their record of all the different shit that the Hots did, and. And so they, like, throw him in a cell because he's blackmailing them. Um, there's some gross, like, scantily clad dancers, which, I mean, okay, kids show. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe don't do that. Um, we find out that Zero used to date um, Spice Noodles, and that's fine, I guess. Whatever. I don't need to see Zero making out with anybody. <laughs> um, and so Quinnan and Obi-Wan get to the hot planet and you know it's like oh zero escaped and and quinlan like accuses them of having him but obi-wan like plays it off because they're <laughs> allies and then like Voss has a vision of this cop that zero had and blah 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 and then of course when they get there like zero has escaped and so then we have two stories you have cad bane is going after zero and so are Obi-Wan and Quinlan. Um, we meet... We meet Zero's mom. And then... He's, like, taken off to this planet to go get his little hollow diary. Uh, and then Voss and Obi-Wan show up. And not only has Zero already taken off, but Cad Bane has been there, too. And so Cad Bane where he gets where he knows where he's going... Um, one thing I liked here is Quinlan like just like cuts the door open and Obi-Wan is just like, Voss, somebody lives here. I don't know. Like, the amount of times the Jedi just like destroy shit. I thought it was a cute little like scene to have that recognized. But um then we go to the planet where the diary is and Snoodles gets it and Kills Zero, like just like murders the shit out of him, and that's fine. So when Bane shows up, Zero's already dead. 
Um, and then the Jedi show up. All right, so Obi-Wan comes across the dead body of Zero, knowing that Cad Bane is also after Zero. So there's at least one bounty hunter after him that they know of, that they know had a head start on them. And when he sees the dead body, he goes, who could have done this? <laughs> and I was so annoyed. Like, yes, okay, we know that Bane didn't do it, but who could have done this? Like, can't, like, Cad Bane would be your immediate thought. You know he's after him. What are you talking well, about? Maybe he just didn't think that Bane would kill him. Yeah, but who, but if you saw the dead body, and the only one that you know about who was after him, like, <sighs> you can't be, like, shocked. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, for some reason, like, I understood that Obi-Wan probably felt there was, like, a third party involved in this and was like, fuck, there's someone else who was after him or something. But no, like, but then, I think okay, it was because when Bane comes out and he's like, yeah, and Bane's like, oh, I'm always annoyed when somebody gets, you know, to my quarry before me. Obi-Wan's like, oh, so you didn't do it. But I'm like, just like, what the, f I don't know. It's really badly written. I didn't, I didn't like it. There's a fight. Bane electrocutes the shit out of Obi-Wan. That was pretty great. There's a lot of force <laughs> jumping. There's a lot of force jumping in this episode. Not a fan of force jumping. I think it looks silly. Even in a cartoon, I think it looks silly. And then Cad Bane escapes yet again, because the Jedi suck at their jobs. And... So the ship takes off and they sort of get like pushed back from the blast of it. And so we see them hanging off a cliff and Obi-Wan says to Voss, I never did enjoy hanging out with you. <laughs> and I literally out loud watching this home alone in my apartment said, oh, fuck you. <laughs> and then the end of the episode is we find out that Jabba like paid her to kill Zero. Oh, snoodles. So, that was that episode. And then there was Heroes on Both Sides, which I was really looking forward to. And then I was bored out of my mind during. Oh, sorry. There's this whole, like, Senate emergency session. And they're talking about the war. And the Republic is near bankruptcy. So, I mean, obviously, the Trade Federation, you know, like, the trade people are totally, like corrupt as shit so all the all the senators that like the trade federation has secretly owned it's like we just need to deregulate the banks and like mothma and bear like no we need to end the war and padme is trying to make an argument for peace negotiations and then like the you know the bad guys are like okay if we can get an attack on Coruscant, then it'll convince people to vote to deregulate the banks and put more money into the war effort. And at the same time, we have Padme um, revealing that she has an old friend who is actually a separatist, so she thinks that if she can get to her, then she can convince them to try for, for peace. Now, these scenes I actually really liked, um, we do see uh, Ahsoka goes with her, and so so we see 
Ahsoka learning that the Separatists aren't all evil and it's not all black and white. And so, like, we get her hanging out with, I think it's the Senator's son. Like, Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, these are really the first Separatists that she's meeting, not in battle. And this is, you know, she's like the first Jedi that he's meeting. Um, I mean, it's really oversimplified and very heavy handed, but I like that they were at least going for it. Like, I think that's a concept that's important to have in here. Definitely. Um, and then, so they managed to convince the separatists to vote for peace negotiations. But then when we get back to the public Senate, like they're, they're going to vote. And then there's this planned attack on Coruscant and it scares everybody. So they vote to deregulate the banks and fund the war. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I just, <laughs> like, I get the, like, again, it's an episode where I get what they were going for. And I don't necessarily think that was a bad, a bad thing to go for. I just didn't, I didn't really like how it turned out. That's okay. I mean, I really enjoyed that we've never seen something in Star Wars like this before where we get to see people who like truly believe that the other side is like superior to the Republic. And, you know, I like that it was like simple in the terms of like when I was younger, I could understand it. And like now going back, it's like, okay, like I see how deep this actually was, but I agree that it's like so heavy handed at times and everything else. But, yeah. I mean, geez, I'm yeah. sorry that you didn't like them, but it's fine. It's fine. It's going to happen. I mean, I think it's inevitable. Yeah. Um, should we go to emails? Yeah. Alrighty. Um, first up, we have a voicemail from King Tom. So let me see if I can actually get that to play. Loading, 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 loading. Oh, here we go. Hey, ladies of Candlebite. It's King Tom. So we're at the point where there's only like one or two theaters in my town playing The Last Jedi. And they're playing them at like really weird random times of the day and it's, it's getting tougher and tougher to get to so kind of a little bit sad because the next time i see the last jedi is going to be in the privacy of my own home but luckily you know don't have that long to wait because it releases on digital i think in a few weeks and then on blu-ray and super blu-ray and mega blu-ray and all the other steel books <laughs> and everything after you know weeks after that um I wanted to ask you guys, what what are you planning on doing? On Because I know some people don't like digital. Some people do like digital. Um, for me, I've gone digital only for both Force Awakens and Rogue One just because they came out earlier. And most of the same bonus material that was on the discs was on the digital releases, like the deleted scenes and the behind-the-scenes features. And because I'm just the impatient sort who likes stuff early. And then, I, you know, once I had it, I'm like, oh, I bother spending the money on the the disc 
but that's you know that's what I was thinking for those ones. But now they're you know they're going to have a Ryan Johnson commentary and a, a behind the scenes feature supposedly that's as long as the movie. Don't know if that's going to be on digital. So I'm thinking might as well buy it both. I don't know. That's just me. What are you guys doing for it? Thanks for listening. Um, thanks for the great podcast. And I'll talk to you, talk to you later. Um. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Thank you. Um. So what's your what's your buying strategy, Brittany? Um, I think I'm going to wait and buy it at either Target. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to do Target because I don't think I'm going to do Disney just because I think my game plan for that day is just to go when Target opens and grab it. So that wouldn't be sold out or anything or a lot of people will pre-order it. Because usually I pre-order it through Disney, and like they, you, they would send it to my house at like eight o'clock at night, and I'm like, I could have spent the whole day watching this movie, but <laughs> I also work like graveyard that night too. So like, I mean, worst case scenario is I can like to download the digital on my iPad and then just watch all the deleted scenes at work and everything. Which perfect, count me in. I'll do that. But what about you? Um, I mean, having it, having it earlier isn't really important to me and since the physical copies come with digital downloads i just i just buy the physical copy um partially because some of the bonus features aren't always on there or i found the digital bonus stuff is kind of annoying to get to like it'll be like in the same file of the movie like after the movie's over and so Mm -hmm. it's just sort of a pain um and I just, I don't know, I like owning physical copies of things. Yeah. Um, there's like, there's a couple of movies that I'll buy like super cheap on like Amazon video or something when, you know, it's like $3 for the digital download. But if it's a movie I know I'm going to see a bunch, I- I'd rather have it in physical copy because then I actually own it. Yeah. I like the aspect, too, of, like, having the digital copy. Like, I don't have, a, like, Apple TV or anything. Like, the the whole download thing, like, I don't get, like, can you, like, put it on your TV? Like, I, I don't fully grasp the whole, like, having it just, like, digitally. Because it's, like, you play on your phone, your computer, your Apple products, whatever, Apple TV or whatever. But, like... You know, like, I want to watch this, like, on my, like, TV. I don't want to, like, my first time seeing this, like, on my iPad or whatever. But I don't know. Like, I understand that people want this as soon as possible. But, I mean, like, I would want to wait to have the physical copy. Yeah. I mean, especially because I've already seen it. So seeing yeah. it again, a, like, a week earlier isn't isn't important to me. Yeah. Um, we're just going to do two other emails because we're a little bit short on time right now because Britt has to take off. So um, we're just going to do a couple of Mendo-related emails since it's sort of um, more timely. But thank you to the other people who have written in, and we'll get to your emails um, next week. We yes, won't, thank we you. Won't, we won't forget about them, and we do appreciate them. We just I had some trouble with my recording earlier, so we're a little crunched for time. Yeah. Um, let's see. We got one from... Andy Campbell. Hi, Andy. Hello. And this is Mendo Appreciation. Hey, Canto crew. 
How cool is he? I'm just so <laughs> surprised how chill he comes across. Just makes you want to sit in a pub and have a drink together. Oh, the stories that would be told. That's all. Cheers, Andy. Yeah. I love Andy's short and sweet emails. Like, and it just, it's, yeah, like, he's just so cool. Mendo. Yeah. He's awesome. I would buy him a beer. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, he does just seem like some guy. It'd be really just cool. Just like sit down and chat with him. I know. <laughs> Man. The stories. Yeah. That would be told. He's probably like a really like he seems like a really talkative guy too, like not shy. Yeah, definitely. That's good. Um, and the other Mendo related one is from Turbo. Mendo with three exclamation marks. Mendo. Hello there, Canto Biters. I always I always like to know what people call us. <laughs> Me too. I love the Canto bitches. <laughs> oh, God bless him. All right. We're on the weekend Star Wars, and I'm not talking about Rebels. It was the week when Steel met Mendo, and I've never felt prouder to be an Australian. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts and feelings on the Mendo pod. I have no doubt the entire episode has been dedicated to the great Paul Benjamin Mendelssohn. And so... <laughs> Look, it's not entirely. Just, you know, like half of it. Wait, his name, real name is Paul? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's um, Benz's middle name. Paulo. <laughs> I love your idea of a weekly Mendo movie review. Okay, side note, it's going to be monthly. Perhaps you could do <laughs> one step further and start a Mendo Minute podcast, reviewing every minute of every scene of every film he's in. <laughs> Let me know if you need help sourcing his early films, as quite a few aren't on streaming services and many DVDs are out of print. One of his early films worth checking out is Mullet. It's my top five Mendo performances, and his hair game is strong. Keep up the great Canto content. Cheers. Turbo. P.S. Who knew Galen Urza was a mung bean farmer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I did I did see a couple of things that were out of print or had never been um, released in the U.S. But for now, we've got enough of the stuff that is out here or is out on streaming here. That I think will be okay for the next several months. But we yeah. might hit you up when things start to run a little bit drier. Definitely. I'm all up for like a whole episode of Canto by Dispatch just being like truly about Mendo. Oh, yeah. I feel like every episode now we should just do it. This episode is dedicated to Paul Benjamin Mendelssohn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so thanks to everybody who wrote in. Again, if we didn't get to your email this week, I'm sorry. And we will get to it. And we do appreciate you writing in. Um, if you want to write in either with emails or with top three topics, do that at cantobitepod at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at cantobitepod. I am on Twitter at EFLind. Brittany, you are on Twitter at Canto Brit. Yeah, um, and if you like the show, 
rate and review us on iTunes. That always helps out. And again, um, go check out Steel talking to Ben Men- <laughs> Mendelson because it's amazing. <laughs> I yeah, highly recommend. Ten out of ten would recommend to all my friends. Yeah, it's a pretty strong. I think this whole podcast is a pretty strong recommendation for that Steel Wars episode. I would be surprised if people didn't listen to Steel Wars if they listened to us. Like, I just feel like people who are like totally out of the blue are like, "Who's this Steel guy? Who's Mendo?" I've, oh my god! I, like, our pod, if you don't like our podcast, must be so confusing. <laughs> I know. Like, I remember like my sister's boyfriend like listened to my podcast and he like messaged me. Like, the first thing he said was, "Who's Mendo?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think, oh, like, goodness. like back in, like, the first couple episodes, I was making an effort to, like, explain that every time, because I realized people start listening to a podcast at different episodes, but that just sort yeah. of fell by the wayside. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, like, maybe they just think that this character is, like, a character in Star Wars, because <laughs> I remember I was on a pod. No, I remember I was on a podcast once, and they were talking about Zuvio, and I'm like, who the fuck is Zuvio? What am I doing? And I was, like, literally, as we were recording, like, looking up who Zuvio was, because I'm like, I had no idea. Then I realized he was, like, a background character. In the oh, somewhere his like, heart just broke. Oh. Heath, I'm sorry. That was... I, Literally, Heath was there, too. It was, like, an episode of, like, Imperial Senate podcast with Charlie. Shout out to Charlie. But yeah, sorry, Heath. <laughs> I forgot who your glorious uh, Zuvio was for a second, but I know who he is now, and I greatly appreciate him. Alrighty, um, we've got to go, but thanks yeah. for everybody who's <laughs> listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.